Joining us on this episode is a previous Newfoundland Beaver Bee Provincial Champion, has umpired or supervised at over 14 Baseball Canada National Championships, has worked two international events, and a guy that claims to have invented the hacky sack, Andrew Downs. Topics we cover are working the Senior Men's Provincial Championship in Newfoundland, practical jokes at national championships, ejection stories from his first international event, and much more. So sit back, relax, get ready. It's coming. Interesting baseball facts or leading edge trivia. What Baseball Canada National Championship is the longest running consecutive event? If you said the Senior Men's National Championship. No, dear, that's wrong. That's right, that is wrong. The answer is the Baseball Canada 21U, or formerly known as Junior, Men's Championship. Now here's where the little interesting facts come into play. Up until the year 2020, the Baseball Canada 21U Men's Championship had been held annually since 1962, where it began in Montreal, Quebec. Now, I know this is typically the time of year when we start to hear about national championship assignments, and a lot of provinces are starting to prepare their national clinics and getting their umpires ready for the upcoming season. Now, unfortunately, we received some bad news this week. The Baseball Canada National Championships have been officially cancelled. But that doesn't mean that we can't work to make our programs and become the best umpires that we can be. So let's everyone do our part so that we can eventually play ball and get back on the field safely. Okay, since we're on the topic of national clinics, who here has had the opportunity to tune in to superclinic.ca or umpiring across Canada? I know I have. I've tuned in every week. That's the beautiful thing about it. You can keep going back and checking out the sessions. There's been lots of great learning opportunities. You know what? Sometimes you go in, you hear it the first time, and you process it, but then you come back and you hear it again, and it kind of clicks. I've been using it as an opportunity just to keep up and refreshed on the rules, but my favorite part of it is tuning in to Leading Edge alumni, Steve Butang, Boots in 30. Now I have to rate the show five stars, but I don't really have an adjective for the comments that I can use except hairy. Now the reason why I use the word hairy is because there's lots of hair involved in the show. But one of the nice things that Steve is doing is that he is growing out his beard. And how is that nice you say? Well, his intentions are on the last show, if there can be at least $1,500 raised, then he will shave his beard live on Boots and 30 in support of Ump's Care. So check out our show description. You will find a link to a GoFundMe page where you will support Steve Butang in shaving his beard so that he can support Ump's Care. Now, if you're looking to check out the Boots and 30 episode, it's kind of exclusive. You have to go register at superclinic.ca and it's always at the end of the day. So go check out the schedule and you'll figure it out from there. Now with this episode's guest only moments away, let's do a quick recap of the last episode where we had on, I don't even know where he's from anymore, but an umpire that's been around the country numerous times, Trevor Stoiko. If you tuned in, this is what you heard. And if you haven't yet, well, this is what you're missing. 
I faked to throw it back to the pitcher. The pitcher's off the mound. The guy went off the bag. I said, thank you for the provincial title. And we won the provincial title. I got in. Well, my dad was an umpire. To okay. be honest with you, I, I got the pleasure of watching my dad umpire for years for the Melville tournament. There would be Chad Wagner, myself, Drury would come down, and Stu. And my mom looked forward to it each and every year because they'd stay at my place. You know, I've known Stu for forever, and they would come down, do tournaments, and we'd have a blast. Murray Busis doesn't get enough credit. So after the game's over, he comes up to me and freaking decks me. This is Regina, for God's sake. Oh. Yeah, I think he got three or four games, and I never did that league again. I can't remember what league it is. It's in Regina. So we're in with Thunder Bay, right? And uh, Alice Cooper was doing a few shows. I remember back, uh, one of the nice things about it is, and it was only about two years ago, I had the pleasure of being on Peary Field. Uh, 40 years later, Terry Poole came back, and they dedicated a portion of Peary Field to him and uh, the street to Terry Poole. And uh, my dad did that back in the 70s, early 70s. I had the pleasure of being on that same ballpark 40 years later. And that, that memory will always stay with me. I love it, Trevor. Memories. Most of us get into umpiring for the money, but we stay for the memories. Thanks for coming on the show and sharing with us some of your fantastic stories and memories from throughout the years. Since we're talking about memories, I'm going to share a quick story. I really wish I would have brought it up on the show with Trevor, but I forgot about it. I have one of the best memories I ever had umpiring with Trevor Stoiko. Going to lay the scene for you right here. Trevor's working the plate. I'm working the bases in a Western Canadian baseball league. I'm in the middle. Pitch comes in. Trevor calls a ball. Now, let's just say this pitch went against the defensive team. Now, the second baseman makes a couple comments. Nothing too loud, enough to keep it on the field. Next pitch comes in, ball. Now, this one was definitely more of a ball than the first one. But, of course, the second baseman is a little bit frustrated, so the sides are going to throw another comment out. Now, the comments weren't nothing that were egregious. It was simply like the, where was that blue? Or, you gotta give that to both sides, blue. But after a while, as a base umpire, I'm going, I have had enough of this. I don't want to listen to this anymore. So, I turn around and look at the second baseman, I go, Hey, shut up. That's my dad. This second baseman instantly backs up like three or four steps, starts looking at the dirt, kicking it, doesn't even want to acknowledge me anymore. Second best thing is he never complained about anything the rest of the night. But the best part was the runner on second base and the shortstop were both like, hey man, don't make fun of his dad. Be quiet. I don't know if it's the best game management tool, but it's the one I used that night in Swift Current. And it worked. So Trevor, you owe me. Okay, let's move on. Of course, you know where to find this podcast because you're listening to it. But if you're ever looking for it in the future, Podbean, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, Amazon Alexa. We're also on YouTube now. Just go to any of those platforms and go leading edge umpire stories. Also, if you want to engage in our social media, head over to Facebook, leading edge umpire stories. Click, share, like, all that fun stuff. Please help us spread the great word about fantastic umpires from Canada. Okay, I've had enough of this introduction stuff. Let's get to this episode's guest. So without further ado, Leading Edge Entertainment is proud to introduce a man that's been to too many Baseball Canada National Championships to count on one hand, is currently the president of Baseball Nova Scotia, has umpired in two international events, and a guy that has a short fuse but a big heart, Andrew Downs. Andrew? Welcome to The Leading Edge. 
Hey, Phil, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Like always, Andrew, the pleasure is all mine, but there's something special about this episode. You're going to be guest number 25. I think we're going to run episode 28. But with you coming on, that officially makes it that all 10 provinces have been represented here on the leading edge. So I'm proud of that feat. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. I do think it's fantastic. You know, it took Alberta and Saskatchewan, what, 38 years and a railway to join Confederation, but I was able to bring all 10 provinces on within 28 episodes. Um, I'm going to pat myself on the oh, back. For sure, for sure. Okay, one of the first things we got to do here on the leading edge is we got to give the guests the opportunity to defend themselves in their playing career. So, got to ask, did you play baseball? Were you any good? <clears throat> yes, but not very well. I was a, you know, a, a pretty good house league player. I was a catcher, dabbled a little bit first base. I got the pitch when we were uh, way up or way behind, more often way behind. Uh, but I did enjoy the game. I enjoyed playing it. It was the same two or I, it always seemed to work out that on my house league team, I always played with the same two or three guys every year. A lot of the other players rotated through, but there was the same two or three of us that played every year. So that was kind of nice. We all went to different schools, but we got to see each other in the summer and play. So that was, uh, that was a great part of it. It's exactly what I love about baseball. It always brings everybody back together. Yeah. Even though you might not have pitched that often, what was your specialty pitch? Knuckleball. Man, every good umpire and every non-pitcher out there always has a knuckleball. Was it any good? Uh, not really. I was able to get out, so it might have been okay. Okay is all that matters when you're down by a bunch. Just want to get out of there. But you know what? Sometimes some people were not allowed to play positions growing up, and one of the positions I wasn't allowed to play was first base because I couldn't catch the ball. So considering you made a career at first base, you must have been talented. Uh. Yeah, they took pity on me every now and then. We get a second game of doubleheader. I used to get to play first base, catch one and play the and then play first base the second one. So that was that was nice of them. It was all that natural athleticism. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, athleticism not required. Did you ever get a shot at a provincial championship? Yeah, in 1989, I believe it was back then, or at least the the Atlantic provinces the 13u was referred to as uh, beaver b so i was the the b team was the second uh, rep team or the second tier rep team out of the out of uh, st john's and uh, we won the provincial championship i think we ended up winning an extra rings if i recall and uh we got to go to uh first time I was ever on an airplane uh first big baseball road trip traveling by myself at 12 years old get billeted out beautiful downtown newcastle new brunswick which I believe is part of the mirror machine today. You're right. Newcastle is part of the mirror machine now. 1995 amalgamated with the town of Chatham, as well as several smaller communities such as Douglastown, Logieville, and Nelson. Yeah, one of the funny things about that tournament, uh, all four teams had red and white uniforms. I think every maritime team has a red and white off-color uniform if they need to. <laughs> While we're at it, let's do a little history lesson here. You did say it was Beaver Baseball. 1990. Yep. Baseball Canada officially changed over from Beaver to then Peewee, and now it's known as 13U or 13 and under. Oh, there you go. What can I say? Facts you probably didn't know and useless <laughs> you'll never need to remember but learned here on the leading edge. <laughs> That's true. Now, Andrew, I mentioned that you're from the Cape Breton Highlands in the introduction, but where is home for you? I'm originally from St. John's, Newfoundland. Proud Newfoundlander. We won't hold that against you. Love Newfoundland. Every chance I get to go home to visit, I do. Big fan of the Newfoundland culture, the Newfoundland music, downtown George Street, Irish pubs. That's me. I love, uh, I, you know, I love that that whole atmosphere. And uh, when I go home, I, and it doesn't matter how long I've been away. As soon as I get home, it's just, it's just like I've died and gone to heaven. And the people are great. 
you know, things change, but a lot of it stays the same, and it's just just a great feeling, and I love it. You just missed the blue star. Uh, I'm a black horse guy. It's either blue <laughs> star or black horse. I know. It's one or the other, isn't it? <laughs> That's true. Well, since you got to experience an Atlantic championship, have you ever got to experience a national championship? Uh, as a player, no. I did get the coach one year at a uh, Bantam event in in North Bay, Ontario. So St. John's Minor, I used to work summer grant stu- student grant position with St. John's Minor Baseball. Part of that job was you had to coach one of the teams. So I ended up being uh, with the third, with the 15, well, it's now 15 U, but it was back in those days it was Bantam. And uh, we ended up winning the provincial champ, or the, it was a national qualifier. We had to, we won the national qualifier and then went on to uh, represent Newfoundland at that event. You know, false sense of security there. You know, we play uh, BC in the first game. We get them down in order in the first inning. We score two in the bottom of the first, thinking, oh, this is pretty good. Then we promptly give up a 15 spot in the top <laughs> of the second. So we were, uh, we had a relatively small club. I think we only took 14 players. Yeah, we were, we were a little uh, outmatched that week. We finished 0 and 5, and we were uh, happy that we got one game. We got six innings. So. Now, looking back on it, you might have been a little thin that week on the field, but I'm sure there was a lot of great memories made both on and off the field. Oh, for sure. For sure. And uh, and then, you know, quite honestly, that's where I kind of, I had started umpiring at that time too, or dabbled into it and just saw how those umpires at that event were uh, having fun. And I wasn't even part of it at that point, but you could tell these guys were having fun and uh, enjoying it. And, you know, I was like, well, you know, that looks pretty cool. So maybe at some point, maybe I'll get to do one of these eventually. And so as luck would have it, as I'm sure we'll talk about, uh, I've been fortunate enough to get to a couple of national championships. Oh, you bet we're going to talk about that. But let's go right back to the history vault here. 1997, North Bay, Ontario. New Brunswick representatives are from Newcastle, New Brunswick, the Newcastle Cardinals. <laughs> oh, there I you go. I tell you, the Miramichi is just intertwined in the baseball Canada culture. You just can't get away from it. No, you can't. And uh, what an absolute beautiful spot. I've been up there, had some opportunities to be up there uh, since then uh, for a couple of events. And what an absolute beautiful, beautiful area. And what a great baseball town. Great facilities, great fans, passionate fans, knowledgeable fans. For the most part, respectful of the fans of the game. You know, I've made a couple of calls up there that, uh, well, just say, went against the home team. But they were respectful about it. They may not have liked it, but they, you know... (laughs) They respected the game and uh, great people, great, great community up there for baseball. Now, I'd be lying if I said I didn't miss the Miramichi and the great baseball community that it is. And like you said, some very knowledgeable fans and some great intensity and rivalries there. But I'll be honest, I don't think I've ever really butchered a call in the hometown field, if you get what I'm saying. But thems are some stories for another day. Yeah. Now, I have to ask, why did you get into umpiring? Well, I enjoyed it, or not enjoyed it, but I saw people enjoying it, having fun. Back in St. John's in those days growing up, we used to get a lot of uh, the Blue Jay games, and um, most of our TV actually came from Detroit. So we were getting a lot of the Tiger games back in those days. So I turned the TV on, the game would come on at 8 o'clock or whatever, and they'd always have the umpires come out there. So I got you know intrigued by a couple of names like Rocky Rowe and Derwood Merrill. I'm going... Yeah, that's pretty cool. And then you watch these guys and the antics. Back then, the the umpires a little more flamboyant, and their and their everybody had their own unique style. And you instantly know who was working the game. 
right. by just by looking at their mannerisms. Like, you know what? That that looks pretty cool. I think I can do that. And uh, that sparked an interest. And I mentioned before, wasn't that great of a player. And then there was always, always a need for umpires. So, you know, I, I started doing a couple of, uh, I show up to a ballpark. My, one of my brothers were playing. One of the umpires didn't show up. So I'd end up going out and with very little or no training and do what I can. And then eventually I got into, you know, some more formal training and I, I really enjoyed it. But yeah, that's kind of how I got into it, just more out of a need. And then the, uh, you know, watching Major League Baseball and being intrigued by the antics those guys were we're doing so right. well, let's try that are you a tigers or a blue jays fan Mornell? oh i'm still a blue jays fan i think i always will be hey but uh best team out there you know i always like the expos too i'm still a jays fan at heart you brought it up what's your thoughts on major league baseball or the expos returning to montreal i think that'll be uh that'll be fantastic you know my i've worked a couple of events in quebec quebec's a very passionate baseball uh, province uh, they produced a lot of good players over the years. Uh, they have got some good post-secondary and baseball schools there. So I think that would be a great fit if they could, uh, you know, the powers to be in the stars line and they get, you know, probably need a new stadium. Yeah, I think that would be great. If That would be good for baseball in Canada in general too. Oh, I agree. And and plus the, you know, the local for baseball there in Quebec. But I think it would be great for the, for the country to have a second team. I think so too, and I think, even having a new team in Canada would just rejuvenate the baseball culture. I know, especially with the expansion in the NHL, I'll fully admit it. I'm a lifelong Seattle Kraken fan. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and I also, and I also think that uh, I haven't missed a game yet. I just want to put it out there. I have not missed a game yet. I think even the Vegas Golden Knights have proved a little expansion is good. It brings in some people. It gives people a new favorite team that they can follow right from the beginning, right from the birth. Exactly. And, you know, it, it's, it's good. I don't remember when the, there was the two, when the NBA had the two Canadian franchises of Vancouver and Toronto. That was always, uh, you know, it was always good to see that as well. Unfortunately, the Vancouver franchise ended up moving somewhere into the States. But Memphis. Um, again, it, it, having multiple teams, it, it's great. And I think that'll be, uh, that'll be fantastic if that could, uh, if that were ever to come about again. Yeah, I really hope so. Here's to the future. But let's look back at the past. What year did you start umpiring? 1989, I believe. Now, you mentioned you've taken some formal training. What yeah. training have you taken over the years? So, um, in Newfoundland, when I first started, the umpire-in-chief at that time was Al Skeens. He was an uh, umpire out of Cornerbrook. He had uh, been uh, fortunate enough through the Baseball Canada system. He got to work a couple international events, so I, I got to learn from him. And then uh, one of your uh, previous guests, by the name of Mr. Dave Buckingham. Oh, Bucky. I was fortunate enough to uh, be taken under Dave's wing. Now, I, I met Dave through my brother, Dave's son, young Dave, young Bucky, and my youngest brother played on the same uh, baseball team coming through. So I'd umpire, the, you know, their games or whatever, and um, Dave would be there helping me, you know, giving me some pointers and that kind of thing. And then... Uh, I got an opportunity to start umpiring the junior and senior leagues in St. John's. Dave was the umpire signer, and I worked a lot of games with Dave. I was I was great because uh, I get the feedback after the game. You know, Dave's a no holds uh, barred type of guy. He'll tell you know he's the first guy to pat you on the back if you do something wrong. He's the first guy to rip your head off when you did something wrong. <laughs> always will you know? Always wanting you know? I had the the desire, the passion to get better. He recognized that. I probably recognized that, you know, maybe had a little bit of a talent. You know, Bucky's for sure has had a, a great influence on uh, where I, you know, got to as an umpire. One of the Dave, well, one of the things Dave did was uh, he brought a couple of umpires up from the, from the States. They're college umpires 
two years or two or three years, they they'd come up and do these uh, May twenty fourth long weekend uh, umpire clinics, and I got exposed to some different things. Two of the umpires, or we were sitting around having a couple of adult beverages one night, and uh, you know t- talking about umpire school. Anyway, next thing I know, I'm off to uh, Joe Brinkman Umpire School in uh, Cocoa, Florida. I went there in uh, 1998, and that was uh, the last year that school operated. That subsequently got sold out to Jim Evans yes. the following year. So now it's funny you say, well, I played my first national or uh, Atlantic championship at the Beaver Cladatory. That was it, gone. I went to Brinkman School, closed that place. So what do we know? Be careful. Anywhere Andrew Downs goes, you're looking for trouble. Yeah, apparently. But no, I got to expose that uh, five week. I did the pro five week school. I learned a lot without realizing I learned a lot. It was a relatively small class. They took 13, I think they took uh, 11 guys to the uh, P bucket, was called at the time. I think overall in the class size of 60, I finished somewhere around 20. Were you disappointed you didn't get a job? Was I disappointed? Yes and no. I, like, I was kind of like, do I want the job? Do I want, do I want the job? I think I went with the mindset I just wanted to go learn and not embarrass myself, and I, I managed to accomplish that. Not embarrassing yourself is always important and I think quite often overlooked. You know, I think I was disappointed the last day that they didn't select me for a job, but quite honestly, I don't know if I would have been ready for it, and I probably would have needed to go back another year to get that experience, and unfortunately, uh, life, you know, things evolved, and I never got an opportunity to go back, and uh, no regrets, but, you know, but having that experience was just absolutely phenomenal. Back in 98, was it still the moratorium on Canadian or international umpires? I think so. I think you had to sit. I think it was one of those you had the city year. Okay. So if you got selected, you had the city year and then for the visa requirements, which I think, I don't know if that's still the case today, but I know no. it was back then. From what I hear from some of the guys that have gotten in, it's essentially get the paperwork done as quick as you can and they process it and you're ready to go. And uh, one of the cool things about that, too, uh, that umpire school is like all the guys you used to see on TV are actually there instructing you. So I had uh, Bruce Freming showed up. Oh, wow. Uh, Joe Brinkman obviously was there. Uh, Jeff Nelson, uh, he had just got hired in the National League that year, uh, was one of the lead instructors. Uh, Eric Cooper, uh, he just oh, passed okay. a couple of years ago. Yeah. Cooper was there as an instructor. I think Ted Barrett showed up, the cowboy. Joel West was there. <laughs> Charlie Rutherford, I think, was also there. So there was a bunch of people that came through there uh, that you got to you got to meet and have a chat with. I got some pictures there somewhere as a young skinnier umpire uh, at that school there. You know, pictures with the Cowboy Joe, and uh, so that was th- those experiences. It was kind of nice. It was good. And uh, one of my instructors was uh, just in. Um, I think he was in A ball at the time. He finally he got hired. He worked at World Series last year. It was uh, James Hoy? Yeah. So James was there. Uh, great guy. Him and Jeff Nelson actually came to the airport to pick me up. Really? Uh, when I got off the airport, yeah. So that was uh, that was cool. Pretty intimate moment then with the instructors yeah. really working to make sure that it's a good experience right from the get-go. Yeah, it was, it was great. Andrew, you mentioned Eric Cooper and Corey Davis talked about working with him in the past, the World Baseball Classic. Looking yeah. back to 98, that would have been probably right before he got into Major League Baseball. Didn't he break through in 99? Yeah, so I think those are some AAA guys that were, uh, I don't know, they might have been there early for spring training. It was, it was towards the later end of the course. Uh, so it was probably early February and those guys, uh, you know, they were dropped in. So they were probably getting ready to come down to work spring training. Fair enough. Fair enough. Any of those 11 guys that were chosen for P-Buck eventually make the major leagues? Uh, no, I followed most of their careers. Other than uh, James who was already there, none of the other guys uh, made it. There was about uh, a couple of guys I followed. Um, Kevin Sweeney is the name that comes to mind. 
Uh, Kevin worked uh, three or four, there's five, well, five of them that worked, uh, got the AAA, worked uh, three or four years at AAA. Uh, I think a couple of them got a couple of tours late. They got a couple of major league fill-in games late in the late in the year. Kevin Sweeney's a name that pops up because I see his name. Uh, he gets assi- He's uh, one of the umpires that uh, works some international baseball. He's worked. I think he's worked with Trevor or Trevor Grieve, and I think he's worked with uh, John Oko as well. And he was one of my classmates at the time. Fair. I think uh, Kevin was supposed to work the qualifier last year with Trevor in Arizona, if memory serves me correctly. Yeah, that's. I think you're right. If you look back at 1998, it probably was a little bit difficult for some of those guys to move up the ranks eventually because there was a big move in baseball in 99. So naturally, there wasn't a lot of jobs that opened up in the following years. Yeah. And just like Baseball Canada and generational umpiring, could be a while before you get your chance. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's a tough it's a tough go. You know the way things worked out. You know, even if I had gone back the following year and got a crack, I may not have made it anyway. You know, you never know how these things work, but there was a pretty much, I remember reading an old book, I think it was Derwood Merrill's book or or one of those guys that, or Ken Kaiser, basically they had to check the obituaries every day to see if they were going to get hired to <laughs> see if there was an umpire that passed so oh. they might get a chance to get promoted. Well, isn't that just the definition of turning a negative situation into a positive experience? Yeah. Okay, back Fair to baseball enough. in Newfoundland. Do you ever work any big provincial championships? Yeah. Well, there's a couple. The one that really st- stands out in my mind, Dave Buckingham had some faith in me, and he assigned me to Game 5 of the senior All-Newfoundland final between uh, St. John's and Corner Brook, which is a huge rivalry in, uh, in Newfoundland baseball. Only natural. In those days, they were playing uh, nine-inning games at Provincials, and, uh, that, of course, that was a bit of a difference for me because normally work uh, regular night, we'd work seven innings. Okay. So we get into... Uh, Late in the game, St. John's were ahead, and uh, they made a pitching change. Quarterbrook came back, tied the score, and uh, lo and behold, I end up going extra innings. The play, you know, the place is packed. The beer tent sales are, are going fairly well. It's a Saturday night, nice humid night. At the bottom of the eleventh, the quarterbrook had scored a run in the top of the in the top of the eleventh uh, to take the lead. And uh, St. John's had a, had a couple of runners on uh, with uh, two out. Cornerbrook catcher looked up at the batter just about to hit. He says, hey, wouldn't be something if uh, you did something here to end the game. <laughs> and the batter just kind of smirked at him. And I'm going, that's a pretty, uh, I'm thinking to myself, going, that's a pretty odd statement to say. Then the first pitch fastball, boom, hits it over the left field fence, walk off home run, St. John's win, and we're out of there at 11. Gotta love it. That was pretty cool. And then shortly after, I moved to Nova Scotia. So that was the one and only time I worked the senior all Newfoundland uh, plate assignment. And to me, that stands out as probably one of the uh, one of my favorite moments of umpiring all in my career. Now I know we talk about international and national championships here a lot in leading edge, but the reality is there's a lot of great memories that are made working the games in your home community. Oh, for sure. Looking back on it as a kid, you probably looked up to those games and went, "How can I get involved with that? What am I going to do to be there?" And here, you're the umpire. Yeah, and some of the guys I went, uh, well, when like I said, I worked with St. John's Minor coming through, and the guys I played with, or they were better than me, uh, were playing in that game too. So it was a different relationship. You know, they were playing, but I'm umpiring. And, but yet it's all that small community. We all know each other, and you know it was good, good times for sure. Well, in my opinion, the most important thing that baseball provides us is the sense of community. Yeah. It's often overlooked, but I think it's really important. And then, of course, uh, just off topic but when i moved to nova scotia in, in 20 well, two, year 2000 i guess they threw me into the uh, nova scotia senior league right away really good baseball quite honestly the base the caliber of baseball 
at that time in the senior league was much better than what I saw in Newfoundland. So it was a big adjustment for me to see guy the speed of the game, the players, and then hand, having to handle situations. And I think they were still, at that time, still using aluminum bats at the senior level. So it was uh, quite an eye-opener. Yes. At that time, were they using the two-umpire system like they are now? No, at the time it was three. Okay. We're back to two at the senior level except for the playoffs. But uh, we were working three-umpire. Okay. The beauty about that, I think I went four years. Well, all I worked was three umpire. Okay. So I got I got pretty comfortable and pretty good at it. And that certainly helped me prepare for nationals uh, where you work two umpire. You know, mostly, most guys, you work two umpire most of the year. And then you try to find a few games uh, to get yourself ready or get the rust off or whatever before you, go to, before you go to a national event. But I had four years in a row where I think I worked every game with three umpires. So that, that certainly helped. And... Um, you know, they get into the senior playoffs, and I think I had a streak in the early 2000s where I did seven game sevens on the plate, and I did three in one year. Oh, wow. The so Go-to guy. Uh, apparently. But, yeah, no, and I enjoyed it, and they, I enjoyed it. It was tough because one, it was uh, one, one series, both semifinal series, they played back to back nights. So we had two pressure pack seven uh, game seven plates back to back. And oh, wow. that was pretty mentally draining. For sure. Uh, fortunately, the second game ended up being a bit of a blowout. Not that you put it on cruise control, but the pressure wasn't as intense. Mm-hmm. But still, you still had to go out. You still had to work. You still want to do a good job. And I'm one of those guys that I, I really want to do a good job because it could be the last time I work a game. You never know what's, what can happen. And I, I just want to go out and I do the best I can and uh, give the best honest effort that I can. And uh, over the years, you know, having that work ethic, sometimes you get the benefit of the doubt every now and then when you kick one. Or they're as a little more forgiving than they would be with others. So... If you work hard, they'll go, Andrew usually gets that. So, Andrew, Andrew must be right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know when I kick one, and I know that uh, just work harder and not get and work harder and not miss it again. Fair. But survey says you're right. That's right. Who are some of the guys that you worked with there in Nova Scotia when you first moved there? Oh, good question. I worked with uh, Blaine Gallant, Andy Callahan, Ken Evans. Uh, he was... Um, one of the guys I worked a lot with, and um, yeah, the, those are the, probably the, Jody Frowley too. Of course, I forgot. I don't want to forget Jody. I worked a lot of games with Jody as well. Those guys were, uh, you know, I learned a lot from those guys. You know how to handle the game management. I learned a lot of game management skills from those guys, and stuff that you shouldn't do. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you, you know, stuff you could do and stuff you couldn't do, and uh, those guys pushed me too especially ken evans like he, he had been around you know he was uh he went around for 30 years he'd worked that league since the, the nova scotia senior league probably since he probably worked the first game for all i know he's been around that long <laughs> and uh, but he put you in these situations that you weren't really ready for but he'd make you in these uncomfortable like game assignments or whatever and he put you in these pressure pack scenarios and ken was good that way uh, good learning. It was it was good learnings, and uh, of course Blaine and go out there with Blaine, and of course Blaine has. I don't know if you never met Blaine, but he has his own unique style of tackling situations. So uh, some things I learned. Yeah, yeah, probably that probably that won't work for me. <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, it was good. Those guys were. Uh, it was good that way. Since you bring him up, did Blaine ever have to carry you like he carried Ashton Liskey at the 2019 Senior Nationals in Miramichi, New Brunswick? Oh no, we'll leave that alone. 
Okay, looking at Nova Scotia, what is one of your favorite parks to work in? Beasley Field in Dartmouth. I I like it. They're a good baseball town, intense games there. I've umpired a lot of good games. I've been exposed to a lot of good baseball at that park. And for atmosphere, I'd have to say Memorial Park in Kentville. Yeah, the setting of that ballpark, it sits down a little valley. It's uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful park. For Those are the two in uh, here that I enjoy working. Dartmouth, I tell you, there's a lot of culture there in the Dartmouth baseball scene the moosehead dry have been a big name on the baseball canada circuit over the years some big hitters and just an organization that's first class they are and they still are um i had a lot of respect for those guys the dedication the time they put in uh with that with that program and even now as the, you know i've been around working that league for 20 years and you see the, the 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 mentality of the winning desire is there and it's ingrained in them and uh, as you see some of the older players retire, like Darren Doucette, Joel Irvine, um, Jason Bailey, those guys were household names. And if they weren't going to Nationals, they were one of the first threes. Got, the teams are knocking on the door say, hey, come play with us no question. Uh, at a national event. And uh, now you come through, you got guys like uh, Chris Head and Chris Thibodeau. Uh, Chris is actually playing some professional baseball, I think, over in Europe somewhere. They keep finding guys, and a lot of, te- a lot of players want to play with them. Right. And it's one of those organizations that they want to play with. Yeah, very solid uh, franchise. They've had some success over the years, too. They, they won 20, na- 20 provincial championships, and they've had some success at the national level, uh, winning it a couple of times, I believe, Yeah, or have come close winning. And, and just from what I hear in the circuit, the volunteers within that organization are second to none. You know, you talk about, you know, the, the hidden, the volunteers, the hidden, you know, the people behind the scenes. One of the ladies that uh, work, uh, Lorna, she always worked the gate, the ticket taker at the beginning. You know, they pay yep. your admission to come in, hand out the uh, programs, the uh, programs, and the, that type of stuff. And Lorna Walsh was always there, and she'd always had a big smile when we'd come down. You know, out of our classy umpire dressing room in the back of my car. <laughs> Uh, to come down and work the game there. And she'd always had a big smile, always a big supporter, always wanted to make sure that uh, we were taken care of. She'd have water for you if you needed it. If you needed anything, you went to see her. And uh, now I think her daughter is still, uh, she's more, Lauren has gotten a little older now too, so she's not as involved, but her daughter has uh, picked up the torch for her. And it's always a pleasure uh, going to the park and seeing her. And even when the Dartmouth senior team aren't there, but there's a games on at Beasley field, could be an under 21 game. It could be the, uh, the 18 U league playing there. And, uh, she's there helping out doing whatever, uh, she can to, uh, help support baseball in Dartmouth. It's hard to find those people just outstanding. No question It's people like Lorena Walsh that really make the game of baseball important for some of these communities. Interestingly enough, a couple years ago, I'm looking through the online media, and I stumble across this article about Lorena Walsh. One of the interesting things about these people that give back is they do become very important. And the team calls her mom. That's true. That is very true. Yep. And she's, uh, they're all her boys. They're all her boys. To find that article, check out our show description. As always, the link will be there. Now, moving on, Andrew, how many national championships have you been part of over the years? I think uh, 17 or 18, I think, as a uh, umpire or a supervisor. I think uh, I think I've supervised a couple of more than I've umpired, but I think it's uh, around 17. And I also had an opportunity to work the uh, college, the C- I think, with SEBA Nationals in Moncton, where I met you for the first time as a young uh, yes. up and comer. 
I think you were I think I think you were running a, a triathlon the same weekend. I think I did a half. And you were marathon, trying to yeah. you were trying to figure out how not to umpire on Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to make some kind of foolish comment about you know there was eight slots and nine umpires, but that's why I ran a half marathon on Sunday, a solid yeah, one thirty. I, I remember that. And you're, yeah, and it was cold. All I remember for that tournament, it was cold. It's great running weather though, but it was wet. And a lot of fun. Yes. Now, the games that I worked, I was probably one of those guys that teach a lot of people what not to do, but we won't go there. Run with <laughs> right it. Right on. Where was yep. your first championship? Uh, Windsor, Ontario in uh, 2001. And uh, We're going to Windsor. It, it must Bantam. be a Bantam tournament. It was Bantam in Windsor, yep. Funny story. Not really a funny story, but I'm going to take you down a story. That's why we're here. And my first national experience, how that played out, to what we get today at a national experience is night and day. So I get to the hotel, the super, no communication with anybody beforehand. Now you get all these emails and here, this is your crew and this is the hotel you're staying at. Please be here by X number of time, right? So back then I showed up at the hotel and the supervisor knocks on the door and says, "Uh, who are you? So I tell him, first tournament, yep. So the supervisors are going around and trying to figure out who's here how many tournaments they've done. And uh, there was 15 umpires. So what they did is they figured out the seniority of all these umpires. And uh, the guys, the five guys with the most senior, the most experience became the crew chiefs. Okay, I like where this is going. So we go to the pre-tournament meeting. So they announce the five crew chiefs. Then they tell them, okay, put your name in the hat. Pick out two (laughs) names. That's your crew. And uh, pick out a... I'm serious. And then pick out another one. Here's your schedule, and you can figure out the rotation. And if the crew chief doesn't want to work a plate, he doesn't have to. <laughs> Holy frick, that seems like organization 101. Well, that's that's how it went. I'm going, oh, well, this must be normal. But no. <laughs> <laughs> what not to do? No. That was my first experience, and, you know, I had a okay tournament. Uh, you know, first time, I enjoyed it. Uh, learned a lot. Uh, nobody warned me about the heat, the southern heat up there, and how hot it gets. And I had a my first plate job was uh, I think it was I had Alberta and British Columbia on the second day and a noon start, and it was about forty degrees. And I got through it. I don't know how I got through it, but you know, having grown up on the east coast where it's you know, yeah, you always get the the wind chill in the summer on the on the water, yeah, <laughs> coming off the water. Uh, it was a bit of an an experience, but uh, I've learned now. Uh, from that to, you know, make sure I hydrate, make sure, you know, you, 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 nutrition's a big part of that as well. So you, you got to prepare that so things you learn as you go. But yeah, so from that experience now to when you go to a national championship today, where you get a lot, it's a lot more professional. The supervisor send out the, your welcome letters and you know, sometimes some, depending on which event you're at, sometimes you'll know who your crew is going to be, uh, where the location of the pre-tournament meeting and those type of things. So where when I first started to where we are today, yeah. it's night and day, and we are much, much better for it. I think that event uh, started to trigger changes slowly going through, so it was interesting for sure. Well, I'm glad you survived it. Oh, yeah. What are some other career highlights you have? I did the 2002, I worked the junior men's in Cornerbrook. That was a fun event. There was only nine umpires at that one. Some really good umpires at that one. Uh, that's where I first met uh, Mark Bodwell, so I got another... Bodwell story. I'll 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 open with that, then I'll come back around to it. I worked single site in uh, Midget in 2013, back again in Windsor, and then I worked my first senior men's at the single site in Quebec City, 
And that was another fun, uh, fun experience. Um, you may have alluded to on the show before. That's the one where the uh, the Canada Cup crew lost a couple umpires for injury or whatnot, and we had to uh, we got the crews all. We worked some. I think I worked a Canada Cup game in that event as well. Okay. Having to work. Uh, then I got to work senior men's in Dartmouth. That was a fantastic experience there. Oh. One of my favorite events was uh, I work. I got to work the Canada Games in Sherbrooke, Quebec. And as an umpire, you only get to work that once. If you're ever fortunate enough. To be considered or be awarded that event jump on it take it what a fantastic experience uh the baseball was good you got to go see other sports you got to interact with uh other national officials from different sports and i got to run into some people that uh that i met through my employment or i had met in newfoundland that i didn't realize that were involved in uh, national level sports so you get to run into those guys oh interesting uh, I was fortunate enough to be selected for the uh, the inaugural Tournament 12 at Rogers Center in 2013. Uh, that one didn't end so well for me. I got a concussion on the second day on the on a plate job. Uh, so that one kind of ended my event there. But great experience to get to work at Rogers Center. That was fun. I got to work uh, the senior men's in uh, Victoria. I, of course, I run across a fellow by the name of Bodwell, Mark Bodwell, <laughs> in Victoria. So I had umpired uh, that in 2002 with Merck in Cornerbrook and uh, Dave Buckingham was there umpiring at that event. I was there, Bodwell. I think Andrew, Andrew Higgins was at that event as well. So we were sitting around at night. We had some rain or whatever. We're sitting around at night, you know, having a adult beverage and a game of cards or whatever. And Dave Buckingham could not remember Mark Bodwell's name before the life of <laughs> the legend of Bodwell, BC. Bodwell, was BC. A, Bodwell is the only way you're from BC, but I can't remember your name. So that's where Bodwell BC came out of and it kind of stuck. So fast forward about 16 years later, Merrick and I are assigned uh, together. Uh, we weren't on the same crew, but uh, we were at the same event and uh, sit down. We're out to dinner and I'm having uh, you know, a drink with Merrick and we're just sitting there talking about the old Cornerbrook tournament. The, as you know, he's, you may know, he's a big Arsenal uh, football fan. So no, we're talking a little bit about that and just having a, having a grand old chat. And then during that event, he announced that uh, this was going to be his last year as a as a national level umpire. And uh, so I, on the Sunday, I think I worked the bronze medal game on the plate, and he I think worked the gold medal game, if memory serves, at first base. So of course we're we're done. We go out, we watch the final, great ball game. And I think uh, Mark left everything he had uh, when that third out was made. He could kind of I think he was holding back the tears and. Just reflecting on a, an opportunity he had all those years uh, umpiring at the national level and the pride and the work and the dedication that he put into it. It was a great way to see, uh, you know, in his own home province there and an umpire finish his career. It was it was a good it was a great feeling uh, to see that. And then, uh, you know, it's the, 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 the things that happen, the baseball is the baseball. I forget who wins half the time. It's the stories off the field and the relationships that you build and. The cool things that you get to see or experience, and I, I just felt that was probably the most memorable. I don't care about my last game on the day. It was seeing that experience with for Mark, and it was great. That's what it's all about. Most of us get into umpiring because we enjoy the game of baseball. You know, you, you mentioned it. You might get into it because there's no umpires available. But at the end of the day, it takes us on this journey. Everyone's journey yeah. is a little bit different. Bucky's been to two Canada games, but <laughs> but those are the jokes and things that we have along the way. And right. it's about supporting one another in the umpire family along this journey. Exactly. Because if you weren't an umpire, do you really think you would have had the opportunity to visit 
all these places that you would have no not not especially out west probably wouldn't have got the, that opportunity to do that to see victoria i've been fortunate enough i think i've umpired in every province across canada and i know i've been to every province as an as an umpire may not have been at a national but i have umpired in every province Fair enough. and i've also uh with my administrative roles with baseball canada i've been to every province rep- every province attending a national convention as a member of the uh, Nova Scotia or the province of Nova Scotia attending those events. So I've got to see this country, every province of this country through baseball. Not a lot of people get an opportunity to do that. And I've been very fortunate to to see very nice parts of this country that I didn't even know existed from, you know, having off days or the travel day on the Monday, or sometimes I go out a couple of days early or stay an extra day or two on the back end to explore. Baseball has given me a great opportunity to see different parts of this country in a different way and to get to meet people and experience things. I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's great. It's, it's great. Oh, no question. I think it's Dave Cass. He might not have said it on our show, but I've talked to Dave Cass in the past. And one of the things that he said, and it's always stuck with me to be the best umpire I can be kind of off the field is that he can go to any province in this country, get a flat tire and call somebody that he's met along the way to guarantee to come help him out. Well said. I, I agree with that 100%. And it well said. Just speaks to what the Baseball Canada Umpire Program is all about, in my opinion. I couldn't agree with you more. Now, looking back at it, end of the day, what is your favorite championship? Uh, Nationals? Yeah. Probably the Senior Men's in Dartmouth in 2019. Senior Men's in Dartmouth in 2009, you mean? Yeah, 2009. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah, no. yeah, 2009. Yeah. Is that the year that good... Steve Butang was there and a little bit of a fog delay? Yes. Yeah. Steve, uh, I actually umpired that game with Steve. <laughs> Steve was a, uh, I was on a crew. Steve was the crew chief. I was uh, on that crew and I forget. Uh, oh, we had Dave Lavarado, God rest his oh, soul. Yes. Dr. Dave from Ontario. What a true gentleman. Yes. I roamed with uh, Dr. Dave at that event. Yeah, we had a fog game and, uh, as it would happen, the fog rolled in and the ball got lost and ball dropped in to run scored and Bhutan I wasn't quite sure what exactly happened. And of course it was at the secondary park, it was at the mainland common in Halifax, and of course I try to avoid that park if I can, especially when fog rolls in. But <laughs> uh yeah, so we ended up having to uh you know, suspend the game because of fog and then the Quebec manager wanted to protest because of weather and he can't protest it it's not a rule that's not protestable to go you know yeah it's exactly can't go away and then then we end up resuming the game the next day i had the plate so i ended up finishing the plate with two different uh they split the crews up so i ended up working with two different guys to finish that that one but it was there and then uh i was fortunate enough to be selected to get a story here it's a good it's a good one uh selected to work a semi-final plate between alberta and newfoundland and I was over the moon excited to get in the semifinal plate at a senior men's event. Like, like that, that's a great assignment. Oh, no question. And, and over the moon excited to get it. And I got to work with uh, my crew for that game was uh, Dr. Dave, uh, Scott Mills, and uh, Butang. Corey Davis and Andrew Higgins were the uh, supervisors of that event. Brian Hodgkin from Manitoba was there as well. So we had a local umpire. Uh, he'll remain nameless. <laughs> he was very eager to get into, uh, he, very passionate about umpiring. He was young. He wanted to get into the national program. And, you know, we, we were moving him in that direction. And uh, so he volunteered that week to be one of the drivers for the umpire crews. Uh, just, which is good on him. 
know, yeah, no get question. some exposure, get some face time. And, it's all about the family. And, uh, yeah. So Corey being Corey uh, and Andrew, they like to, you know, if you don't know these guys, they're, they're known to play a prank or two in their day. <laughs> and uh, guilty by association here, uh, this umpire, I don't know what's going on at this point, but they fill me in after to play along. As the story goes, I went back to my room after getting my assignment. I was happy. I wanted to make a few phone calls, and uh, and I was pretty tired because we had worked that suspended game, and then we worked two other games that day, so I was a bit bit tired. So I was going to have an early night. and wanted to get some rest. I didn't go out uh, to grab the late the late supper and a and a couple of drinks, so I packed it in early. These two guys decided to do is tell our young umpire there that uh, I got mad at my assignment. I, I I freaked out. I ripped the assignment up. I threw it in their face. Called them everything under the sun. Told them they didn't know what they were doing, and so they had to suspend me from the event. They were sending me home. That's why it wasn't out partying with them, and I had to go back and pack up my stuff and be out of the hotel and all this, you know, other stuff. Of course, the young Gumbar says, "Yeah, I can see that. Andrew's got a little bit of a temper there. I can see him doing that. Right? Throws me right under the bus. Right? Just." Curves me right up. So now they got them hooked. Then they fill me in. So I said, okay, I'll play along with it. So next morning, I go down, and I'm checking out of the hotel because uh, we had a hurricane, or we got delayed because of rain. There was a hurricane or a tropical storm that went through. and So we knew the games. We're going we're to finish the tournament on the Monday. So you know, I check out of the hotel. I'm going down to the lobby, and I'm bringing out my stuff to my personal car. So this umpire's down in the lobby. Brian Hodgins sitting there reading the paper. The young fella is waiting for Corey and Andrew to come down because he's their drive to the ballpark. So what Corey and Andrew do, they decide to uh, go to the mainland common. Okay. I was working the game at Beasley. Brian Hodgins is sitting there, and, uh, of course, the umpire is hanging around waiting for Corey and Andrew. So I said, I go over to Brian. I shake get him. You know, I go over and shake it. You know, put my hand out. I said, Brian, I really apologize for last night. I didn't know what came over me. I was, you know, totally, uh, totally embarrassed here. Uh Thanks for all the feedback this week, but I'm probably sure it's not going to do me any good because I'll never umpire again. <laughs> and Brian's going, okay, Andrew, uh, you know, God bless and, you know, be safe. <laughs> so anyway, I go out to the car and uh, I go off to the ballpark. Meanwhile, the umpire's taking uh, Corey and Andrew over to the other other park. I go umpire the game. Things were going great, but, they, but then what happens is uh, Corey and Andrew get back to the other, the Beasley right around the bottom of the seventh. So, of course, then they, he sees me out there, and then we're walking off the field, and that's when the gag was up. They, he had him hook, line, and sinker for sure that I was being suspended and everything else, right? So we had a good old laugh about that one. It was probably one of the, the funner, you know, your good buddy there, uh, previous guest on the show there, a good friend of mine too, Mr. Nash, fell victim of one of those uh, practical jokes in at the Canada Cup. Uh, when there's a fill in there, so yep, I'm sure you probably heard that story. Oh yeah, Corey's taken a I lot would... of jokes out of the guys over the years, and especially if you're volunteering, heads up. Yeah, oh for sure. And then uh, I was fortunate enough to had uh, supervised Jeremy the following week or the week after uh, at uh, his first national, I think, in uh, in Dartmouth at 13U. So uh, I got the umpire with uh, Jer- and then Jeremy had an experience there, and then I got to go back work the senior that university championship in that same year. And I asked Dave Casts if I could have Jeremy with him because I saw some potential in Jeremy and I wanted to work with him uh, on field, be more of an on-field mentor type thing. Right. 
uh, and worked with him, and that was great. I also had that same opportunity a couple of years later with Ryan Garland from Newfoundland. I had supervised Ryan in his first event, and uh, I think we were in Charlottetown, if I'm not mistaken. Then I had, the, had him the following year. Then the following year, I was a late-minute fill-in at the 13U Atlantics in uh, Yarmouth, Nova Scotia. One of our umpires, uh, Nova Scotia, that was assigned, had to pull out last minute to a work commitment. So I filled in and then was uh, fortunate enough to uh, have Ryan on my crew that week. Uh, having supervised him the year before and then having him as a crew meet, I got to share some experiences and offer him some tips, which I think is, have helped both of them over the course of the year. So it's, it's a great thing where you can supervise and then, you know, a role change the following year or circumstances change where you get the umpire with him in the following year and you can get to have those different experiences no question. and uh i get to share you know share my knowledge in a different way and hopefully and i think it's helped both of them uh over the years so yeah we've talked about that here in the show before where umpires work together one year they work with the supervisor one year and then a couple of years later they're working with their supervisor it just shows that even though in the moment they're a supervisor they're still an umpire it's just the classification for the weekend and the weekend responsibilities I recently took in this year's Super Clinic, and I heard a philosophy, Mike Muchlinski, Major League Umpire, said it, and I've always thought something along the lines, but I've never been able to put it to words. But he says, tonight I work a big game on the plate. The next day I get a third base and second base, so on. It's not that I work any less. It's just my responsibilities change. And I really like that philosophy, and I think that's what supervisors are. Yes. But going forward, I really think that's how I'm going to handle responsibilities in general at events, you know, umpire, supervisor, on-field, off-field. Yeah, no, that's great. And I did have an opportunity to uh, attend the uh, first super clinic. I, the, I, I went, I was fortunate enough to get on the first one. Yes. And wow, I, I tip my cap to uh, the uh, the folks in uh, baseball, British Columbia, baseball, Ontario. Uh, a lot of good people, I, you know, friends of mine that uh, are leaders in those areas out there. What an amazing job to putting that stuff together. Uh, what a, uh, just hats off. Just one of the best experience, one of the best things I've seen in a long time. I think and so. Really good, really good work there. A lot of good work. You know that the COVID has put us into a situation where we can't do some of the traditional stuff we've done, but I got to say the product they put out there this year is top notch. You know what? Given the situation, you're doing it from the confines of your living room. It's fantastic. And I got to say, Thank you to everyone that's put a lot of effort and time into making sure that this year is as successful as it can be, given the climate that we're in. Since we're talking national championships, got to ask here on the show, you've had the opportunity to be part of a championship in the Miramichi as a supervisor. Come on, fill us in. What was it like? Yes. Actually, the year in 2013 uh, was the first time I umpired in Miramichi. Um, I had an opportunity, uh, Dave Cass and... Um, Mike Doucette called me and said, hey, you want to come up? Uh, We're having a pre-Canada Games uh, event with the four Atlantic Province teams. Uh, You want to come up for the weekend? I said, sure, I'll come up. So I got an opportunity to work uh, work with Jeremy Nash and uh, Miles Brito that weekend. Yes. Uh, Miles, great guy. I haven't seen him. Local legend. Local legend in the Miramichi for sure. And uh, every time I get a chance to work with uh, Miles or I know he's around and I'm working the plate, I always give him a big Miles Brito strike one call just to get him going. (laughs) Oh, you might not have a shoulder if you're popping the strike threes. He can rip them hard. Oh, he can. Or as Dave Cass likes to refer to him as the cap. (laughs) (laughs) I got a chance to work up there. It was great. And then, uh, then 2019, I had an opportunity to go back as the supervisor for the senior men's event. 
Well, that was a first-class event, I have to say. Um, the host committee were fantastic. They were very attentive to our, uh, whatever we needed, which was very little. Uh, but if we needed something, they were right on it. Um, great facilities. Uh, the hotel was fantastic. The ho- um, I just say, what a what a great experience there. And uh, the championship game, good crowds. And, of course, it always helps when the home team wins. Oh, no question. Yeah, but it was one of those scenarios where uh, I saw grab. I was uh, supervised with uh, Mitch Ball from Alberta was with me. You know, if you know Mitch, Mitch is a big. He's a big. He's a big st- structure. Yes. And I said, "Come on, we got to go down and make a path for this. If this doesn't go well, Miramichi lose. We got to make a, a gate for these umpires to get off here without getting." Uh, as it turned out, we didn't need it, but uh, we were down there to support those guys, and uh, what a great game. It was. I, I had the opportunity to be there live. What an atmosphere that was. It's always nice when the home team wins, like you say, but really, how often does the home team get to win in front of, what, 3,800 fans and screaming yeah. live on Facebook? And I think there was something like 6,000 fans watching there. It's just impressive. Yeah, the 50-50 was pretty good, too, because uh, we, uh, we were getting calls from all across the country there. Buy us $20 for the 50-50. So we were uh, <laughs> buying tickets for guys in Ontario and Quebec and B.C. and just e-transfer me 20 bucks. I'll go get your tickets for you. And yeah, no, it was great. And I have to say, too, the Darren Scott, another uh, good New Brunswick umpire there, yes. uh, he had an outstanding, outstanding week and uh, got the work. Not many umpires get an opportunity to get to work a gold medal game in your own home province and pretty much your own backyard. Oh, no question. On a big stage. So he, Darren did a fantastic job there that week, along with the other umpires that were there as well. I don't want to no. discount the work that they did, but Darren uh, Darren was uh, lights out that week. Well, someday I hope to have Darren here on the leading edge, and I tell you, I do want to ask about that game because, like you said, not too often you get to do a game in your home province, but there is something about doing a game of that magnitude in a field that you're comfortable with that you've been there once or twice before. For sure. It just changes the dynamic yeah. of everything. Even though yeah. it might seem like a routine game, it just the dynamic was 100% different. Something he'll never exactly. experience again. Yeah, exactly. And he did us proud that night. Okay, let's change topics here. Let's talk international events. You have some international experience, don't you? I do. How um, many events have you been two. to? I got an opportunity to work the uh, inaugural World Women uh, Championship in Edmonton, Alberta. That was uh, that was a different experience for sure. Uh, seven inning games, fun. Get to work with uh, some good Canadian umpires. Rob Allen was there. Lisa Turbot, Gwen Young from Alberta was there. Karin Dao from Quebec, okay. and Bryce Payton from Alberta was also uh, the Canadian umpires. And then they had an, there was an American umpire, and then there was a uh, Chinese Taipei had an umpire there. There was an Australian, and I think. Uh, Taiwan had an umpire there as well. So uh, some language barriers and stuff there for sure. Um, When I got on the plane to go to the event, there was eight teams. When I got there, there was only five. Three of the teams had dropped out late. So what ended up happening, there was more umpires there than uh, there were games. So you'd work one game a day or you were the standby official. Okay. So... Sometimes you got a game. Sometimes you were the standby guy, but you still had to, you know, be there, be prepared if you had to jump in. Right. Uh, we were working for umpire all week. Um, yeah, that was it. Was a good experience. I got uh, funny. One of the funny story. Well, a couple of stories there. I had uh, 
I got to work second base between Canada and the, and the U.S. Oh, wow. Uh, the Australian umpire had the plate, and I had the uh, my two crew, other crewmates were the Chinese umpire and the uh, Taiwanese umpire. Okay. They were working the corners. So the uh, Taiwanese umpire decided that he didn't like the way the Canadian pitcher was disengaging the rubber and uh, proceeded to call time, go to the mound, take the glove from the Canadian pitcher to show her how to do this. Oh, okay. A little <laughs> education session. Yeah, a little uh, education session with about 5,000 fans there, and I'm trying to find a hole, a hole to crawl under in second base. And the Canadian manager, Andre Lachance, came, was, uh, he came out, and he was rightly so agitated. Yeah. And uh, so we, you know, anyway, we were able to diffuse it and, and the game carried on. But <laughs> it's one of those weird, uh, weird experiences. And then um, what not to do, what not to do. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, then I worked uh, Australia, U.S. And I think it was a crossover game. I think it was at first base. And uh, the Australian manager was a little uh, upset about the strike zone. I get a pulled foot at first base. So I got a safe off the bag. Of course, the call goes against Australia. So the Australian manager's name is Grant Weir. So Grant comes out and he's a little agitated. But I know, knowing the game, what's going on, like I know he's upset, not really mad at me, but he's mad in general. Okay. And uh, so he's doing the the whole song and dance. He takes his hat off. I tell him to put his hat back on and he spikes his hat. So I got to throw him. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. I just Because I, I know he wants to have a... A conversation with the plate umpire and then i look around and the my there's no other umpire coming over to get him out of there right so i finally look at him and i say grant pick up your hat he's not going to come down you're not going to have another chance to have another say and i said i know you're probably not mad at me you're mad about the situation there's nothing i can do to fix it for you yeah and he's not going to come down he's not going to come down you're not going to have a, a chance to have your money's worth with him because he's not coming <laughs> and anyway he puts his hat off off he goes and i get in the room after the game and i got the supervisor standing there just clapping his hands going good job <laughs> yeah like so anyway, was, and then of course i made the paper the next day you see a, a picture of the in the edmonton paper there of me with the with the manager, so that was pretty cool. And then uh, I was very very fortunate to be selected to work the uh, twenty uh, two thousand ten the World Juniors in Thunder Bay. And uh, interesting with that event is I got to work. Uh, there were six Canadian umpires there, including uh, Mr. Cass, uh, Trevor Grieve was there, uh, Jamie Killingsworth from Ontario, uh, Trevor Dury, and Chris Wellheim. In my first national event in phantom in 2001 trevor jury and chris wellheim that was also their first event oh wow at a baseball canada championship and i was actually on the crew with i was chris chris and i were on the same crew okay and then we got the three of us got to work our first international men's event together in 2010 so you know we talk about you know i think we've people on this mention before you enter the program with a certain group of umpires and you progress your way through you know trevor and chris are part of that uh part of that group that i started with fortunate enough to get some chance to work some higher level events and uh really enjoy that experience is it the, is it the downs generation the jury generation the wilhelm generation what should we refer to this generation as i i don't know <laughs> i don't know that's quite interesting though 
yeah, it was great. And then, uh, you know, you get to see the, some of the umpires from uh, different countries. I'm still uh, friends with them. I've met, you know, met there. I still talk to some of those guys on uh, Facebook wow. occasionally. I got to see uh, Trevor Grieve umpire for the first time. I just went, wow. Yeah, he worked to play it. Uh, Cuba got upset earlier in the round, and then they ended up having to play Canada. No, they had to play Cuba, U.S. had to play in a, like a one, like a quarterfinal. Because of the way the the games went, and uh, Trevor had the plate for that one, and I had worked a game at another park, and then went up to watch the game, and um, Trevor just umpires on a different level, and he is well, it was it was phenomenal just to watch that one experience, and Trevor's had a lot of success uh, post that as well, and well deserved on him. Uh, fantastic umpire, great person, great teacher, great mentor. Well. Trevor is Canada's representative for the 2020 Olympics, going to be hosted here, of course, in 2021. Yeah. And I had the opportunity to see Boots and 30 a couple weeks ago, and Trevor was on as a guest. And according to him, it's still on, so that's great news. All the best to him. And according to Trevor, there's a rumor that he has taught Stu everything that Stu knows. I also heard that rumor, yeah. Over time, we'll make that rumor a fact. But I have one question from that championship. Is it true that you have a tradition to sweep the bullpen plate when you work the foul lines? Well, all right, here's the story. Trevor Dury gets assigned to work. Uh, Trevor worked the gold medal game in, I think he had left field. I had worked the bronze medal game the day earlier in the day. I got to work the right field line. My part, the guy, I forget which umpire was working third uh, or left field. He always swept the bullpen plate. It was one of the, uh, one of the international guys. So the running joke was the left and right field umpires had to sweep the bullpen plates. So Trevor doesn't realize he has to do this. He brought his base gear for the game, didn't bring us a, didn't bring a plate brush. So I had my gear bag there, and I said, here, Trevor, take my plate brush, and it's a big game. Take my plate brush and carry on. Never thought anything more of it. And uh, so he, Trevor he apparently used this plate brush forever. And then uh, last year at, their, at the senior men's event in Victoria, Trevor's at that tournament, and I'm getting ready to go out and work the plate in the bronze medal game. And Trevor comes over, hands me back my plate brush that I had given him ten years earlier. Oh, that's awesome! With about with about five bristles left on it. Oh yeah, big game. Here you go. Typical Trevor, borrow your plate brush and never give it back. But you got to keep those bullpen plates clean. Try saying that fast five times in a row. Ooh. Oh, for sure. Never know when you might have a close pitch out there on the bullpen plate. Exactly. Okay, let's bring it back to Canada Focus Nail. A couple years ago, you had the opportunity to live in Western Canada for a brief stint. Now, one of yep. the perks about the Baseball Canada Umpire Program is your registration is kind of portable, so you can just pick up the phone and, you know, start working some local baseball. So you had the opportunity to work in the Western League. Fill us in. I did. I got to work a, almost a full season in the Western Major League. Um, I think I worked about, uh, I think I probably worked close to 20 games. Okay. Uh, real good baseball. Some really great facilities. You got to work at Okotoks. Uh, most of the games I worked uh, Okotoks. Brooks and uh, Lethbridge. So two out of three of those cities were not bad. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not going to call it which one, but no, uh. no, no, but uh, no. And I got to work with some good guys. You know, I got to, and I got to see, meet some good guys or people I have seen at national events over the years that, you know, really get an opportunity to work with. So my, my opening, I worked, uh, I got assigned to work the home opener. For Okotoks, there's on a Friday night they had about you know 5,500 people there. Yep. 
I think they were playing medicine hand, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Chris Hartley was working the plate. I had first. Jeff Wang was at third. And the game ends on a first to third rotation there. And Okadokes went on a walk-off after a ball gets booted in the outfield. And I had a big, a big uh, safe call at the plate there to sell it to, to get out of there. So that was my first experience working uh, working the Western Major League. And I said to myself, if this is what this is like every night, this is going to be fun. Uh, then I quickly learned it's not quite like that every night. And <laughs> Well, Okotoks is special in itself. They run a very big baseball program. They bring in 5,500 people. You know, Edmonton at times can bring in some big fans too, big numbers, but they have a bigger stadium. So sometimes it doesn't feel as as warm and receptive. The one thing about the Western Major Baseball League is I think it does afford umpires the opportunity to get better. Absolutely. Maybe just to get your opinion on this, you've worked with guys at national championships and females and everyone in between. You go and just work a game in a new environment with those same individuals that you've met in their home environment. What's it like to work with guys that you would see at a national championship? Do they work different on a Tuesday night than they would at the championship? Uh, Yes and no. The guys still want to do a good job. It's just that the part, there's not as much. And I was fortunate enough. So I worked a lot of games. Uh, I was doing a lot of baseball Alberta games. So I was working a lot of 18 U triple a, or I was doing a lot of, I was doing a lot of games. And so I I was getting to work with uh, guys in that type of environment where we're working two umpire. We could go, we could have a laugh. We're having a good time getting caught up, you know? So I got to work with games like Matt Payne and uh, the guy, the Alberta guys, but these are guys I saw maybe once at a peewee event in, like five years ago, they come out and they go, they found out I'm there. They go, Oh, I want to work with Andrew. So, <laughs> so I'm getting a different partner every night, but different people that I haven't seen in a while. Yeah. Some really good people. And then, you know, I worked two games in Calgary with a, with somebody. And then two other crew just finished on the other, another part of town. And there was another crew. So all the, the, the local watering holes there. So after, you know, we worked to a double header, all the three crews or four crews we had together, we'd go out and have a late supper and, uh, and a bite and a chin wag, and that was the best part. The camaraderie off the field, you just sitting there sharing stories, different experiences, and that part was fun. And then uh, getting to work with you know some different guys. Like I have, I umpired a few games with Matt Payne. I got to work with Mitch Ball for the first time. Yep, bridge. Uh, working games on Lethbridge, uh, they were fun games. Yep. Enjoyed those. Then I get a, a sign. You know, I get a weekend series in Brooks, Alberta. Fort Macker in town. So with the three game series, which it's all good. Yep. And I uh, got to work with uh, Don Buskis. Okay. I don't know if you've ever met Don, but yes, uh, I have. Yeah, Don is a fantastic individual. So Don gets to the hotel ahead of me, and uh, anyway, we connect. He, anyway, I come upstairs to the room, and the first thing he does is hands me his uh, a jar of his infamous or famous rubbing rubbing mud, mud for baseballs. Yes. And we sit there. We have a grand chat with like we hadn't seen each other in about five years because I think I first time I met him, I supervised that uh, I think it was a Canada Cup in London, Ontario, and I met Don there for the first time, and uh, we we hit it off fairly well, and then we we got talking, and it was great. And then, you know, Don's just one of those guys. He's just a nice gentleman. He's a he's an umpire's umpire. Like he's the guy that makes sure you got everything you, you need, that you're comfortable, that you're okay. He goes out, he works hard, and I keep reminding him, work harder, work smarter, not harder. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, what a what a great guy. And probably one of my favorite umpires of all time to work with, for sure, Don Buskis. No question, Don Buskis is the type of guy that makes you as an umpire want to go back to the ball field night after night. He's the type of umpire that looks out for his partner and makes sure that you're not left in the dust and you're included. 
And just to give Don the credit that he deserves, 2020 Don was presented with the Steve Blue Hero Award. And that's an award presented by the Baseball Alberta Umpire Association that is presented annually to an umpire who through both word and action demonstrates some or all of the characteristics of our dear friend Steve Blue Courage and tenacity in the face of adversity, an ability to motivate and inspire, a commitment to self-improvement, resiliency, grace, and generosity. So, Don, congratulations on that award in 2020. Shout out to Don. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. And the one more thing I got to say about the Western Major Baseball League, or now it's known as the Western Canadian Baseball League, is that it just gives the opportunity to umpires to get better. You know what? Every umpire, if you get the opportunity to work that league, go out, work it, but work your hardest because it is a league that deserves the utmost respect and hard work from us umpires because they give us the opportunity to get better. Right. And it, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more because the, the skill set of the players, the, the speed of the game is so much faster and quicker and you got to be on your toes. You got to learn to anticipate. And it, it certainly, there's no doubt in my mind that, um, a, when I went into the league, it was like, oh, I'm just hoping I'm here. I don't embarrass myself. And then I got comfortable with it and was like, I'm doing, you know, this is pretty good. Right. And uh, it was just one of those things. Uh, it was a test for me as an umpire because, you know, you get comfortable working your local senior league all the time. You know, you're the big dog in town or you're one of the right. top two or three guys you see all the time. And like I mentioned earlier, you miss a call. You, they give you the benefit of the doubt type thing. And you go out there, they don't know you, and you got to go out work hard and earn their respect. And you treat them with respect. You got to go out and earn their respect and work hard. And uh, it was a great refresher, like a like one of those little jolt in my umpiring career to put the fire back in. Wanted me to, you know what? I just, this is fun. I want to go do this again. And I want to go back out there every night and work that high level game and give it a, give it a good effort and come home. So it was yeah. good. It definitely is the high level baseball here in the western part of the country. It's a lot different intensity than senior baseball in the Maritimes. Yeah, for sure. And you talk about having to earn respect. One thing that a wood bat college league provides umpires is that you might not get the same players or coaches or managers back around next year. There could be a whole new cycle of people. So it's it's a constant be on your toes. Now, some towns, communities, or teams have kind of the same staff, but that's not always the case. Living, well, I was in living in Airdrie, so I'd work a lot of games in Okotoks with their with the Okotoks regular program. So I was there probably three or four nights a week. If I wasn't working the the, the big dog games, right? I was working their eighteen U or their fifteen U program or whatever. So it's the same people always around. So you're out. You got to work hard on those too because they'll remember what you did your eighteen U game. And then you're out, you know, working the the dogs. You got to give that same effort. So right, they expect that and they deserve it. <laughs> exactly. Hey, Andrew, let's get off the field and talk about your Baseball Canada accolades. You are the 2013 Dick Willis Award recipient. What does it feel like to be part of that club? Well, it came as a complete, another shock and surprise. Yeah, so what happened, it was that right around that time, I was still the provincial supervisor of umpires uh, for Nova Scotia. And traditionally, the supervisor of umpires would meet once a year at the Baseball Canada AGM. What had happened this year, there was a bit of a transition from the old system to the portfolio system that we have today. But that this was in its infancy concept. The provincial supervisors didn't really get to go attend that unless you were a, a portfolio candidate. Okay. So I, I wasn't uh, at the uh, convention that year. Uh, Holly LaPierre, uh, I don't know if you know Holly, but Holly is uh, one of our great baseball, former baseball Canada treasurer, one of the great volunteers in Canada for baseball and especially girl, female baseball 
like outstanding. Yep. And out of Nova Scotia, um, I think we should mention she's out of Nova Scotia, and I think she was just is. named to the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum Board of Directors for all her. Yes, she was. So, yep. Definitely a baseball yep. name in Canada. For sure. So Holly calls me up and said, "Hey, uh, you're on the executive. Uh, all the baseball Nova Scotia executive are going to be at the uh, at the at the awards banquet on the Saturday night. Uh, you know, it'd be uh, it'd be good on you to come down, uh, represent the board. You know, type of thing. You know, it's just one of these things. When Holly calls and tells you you need to do something, you pretty much got to go do something. <laughs> so anyway, you guys be there on a false pretense, and I'm going down for a free meal and just you know saying hello to a few people there to represent the province." So they they get into the awards and they start reading out some stuff and I go oh that sounds familiar oh <laughs> and then all of a sudden it, it kicks in that whoa they got me here for this and it was uh, it was quite uh, quite humbling uh, very surprised uh, very uh, very honored to have received that award and uh, and I look at the, the names on the people that have won that award prior to me and people that have won that award after me and I go wow uh, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty good uh, group of people there no question for sure. A bunch of years later, but congratulations on the award. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> now you're talking baseball Nova Scotia executive. Maybe one more thing we'll touch on away from umpiring is currently you're in the role of, what is it, president of baseball Nova Scotia? Yes. Yep. I, uh, I am the president of the baseball Nova Scotia. So Sorry to hear about that. In, uh, in 2006, I became the provincial supervisor of umpires and I held that role until uh, 2017 when I switched over or was elected as the president. The short version of how this came about is there was a bunch of bylaw changes that were made and then we had to have an, an election of officers, but uh, that election got challenged and then we had to redo the election. And the president uh, who was overseeing that at the time had been in the role for a while and said, you know what, I'm out. I've, I got a work commitment, so my work job, my job has changed. I don't know if I could put the commitment into the role. And uh, Holly that we just mentioned uh, calls me up and says, uh, you'd be a real good fit for this because I'm still running my Hammonds Plains minor baseball and I don't want to give that up. And Ken Linehan was also there. Ken's another great baseball. Uh, the Linehan name in Nova Scotia is a, is a well-respected baseball name. So Ken was the vice president of operations. He was running uh, Bedford uh, baseball. And he says, no, I don't want to give that up. I've been doing that for years. And, and you're the only one that's been around on the board long enough on, you know, remember know the histories, know the, the backstories on some of the issues that we have in the province. And you've been at the Baseball Canada level for a while, so at least they, they know who you are and you have some sort of rapport, at least name name recognition. or, or And I said, okay, I'll put my name in. And uh, sure enough, I got elected. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are. And yeah, here I am. So that's that was in 2017, I think. Uh, so yeah, I think I've been elected... I had to be reelected four times now because of different things, but I'm good for another year now, I think. So, so I'll have to go through that. Uh, any, any more nominations from the floor? No, I'm good. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I think since 2016, there's been a lot of positives for baseball in Nova Scotia. 2019, you came away with your first Baseball Canada Cup championship. Yep. Had the opportunity to work that tournament, so it was really nice to, to see a Maritime province do well because in numbers-wise, we just... Maritimes sometimes just don't compete with the big provinces. So it was really nice to see the Maritimes do well. Yes, absolutely. I know New Brunswick uh, tend to do, uh, they tend to fare fairly well at that event over the years. Uh, Nova Scotia, we did well. We did well and the baseball gods were in our favor that year. I think there was a, a lot of one run or two run games or, you know, or you get that, uh, 
you know, that key defensive play, you need to get that big out. The baseball gods were certainly on their side uh, as a province that week. And uh, hats off to the uh, coaches and the, the coaches and the players and the representative. It was a, it was a big accomplishment because they had done, that group had uh, finished well the year before. It just got the breaks this time. So good on them. Well, not to take away from their win. I remember sitting down the line. I think it was after game three and I'm, you know, I'm just leaning over the fence and there's random people beside me and the game ends and, the person looks at the guy he's with and basically goes, man, that Nova Scotia team, they just get the bounce when they need it. Like you say, they got the breaks, but you know what they say is that you got to capitalize on those breaks too. So they For put sure. themselves into yeah. a position to capitalize on the situations at hand. It was really, it was, like I said, it was a lot of fun to see a Maritime team do well and really be in it right to the end. Well, Andrew, let's move on to 10 questions. A fan favorite here on Leading Edge. I'm going to ask you oh, 10 my. questions and I'm going to give you the opportunity to answer them and defend the answers if I like them. And if we disagree, it's pretty simple. Ready for it? Yep. No, let's go. Okay, let's start easy. Do you prefer the Big Mac or the Whopper? Whopper. Get a Whopper heavy all? Extra mayo, extra tomato, like, uh, oh yeah. I gotta get, uh, I throw some cheese on it. Gotta yeah. ask for a little zesty sauce. You add that and you're, you're, you're all oh, set. Oh yeah, yeah. If you owned a boat, what would you name her? 901C. I, I was thinking Lukey's boat, but if we're going to keep to a baseball reference, then we'll keep it to the to baseball reference. <laughs> okay. Now, I had Kent Walker on a couple of weeks ago, a Maritimer, says he doesn't like seafood, so I don't like to repeat the questions, but what's your favorite type of seafood? I have a seafood allergy. Yeah, I know for the Maritimes, I can't eat it, but uh, I do. Uh, I I can cook uh, mussels and lobster, though. I, I can cook it. Fair enough. <laughs> so okay, like I keep telling everybody that keeps asking about seafood, I get these text messages every week about the people that might live around the sea, and they go, they don't like it. Yes, Maritimers just don't really eat a lot of seafood. Since you're in Sydney right now, do you ever work in a coal mine? Uh, no. Doesn't everybody in Cape Breton work in a coal mine? Yeah. Uh, you know, you Rita McNeil on the Men of the Deep. Oh, well, the Men of the Deeps. Okay. Oh, yes. yes, well done. The Men of the Deeps. Uh, they're actually currently recruiting new members for their uh, vocal uh, group there. And we had an opportunity to see them a bunch of times. Those, they're fantastic, uh, fantastic group. So you're going you're gonna to join? You're going to uh, deep voice. I couldn't, carry, I, couldn't carry, I couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. Well, you got that deep baritone voice. You'd sound fantastic with them. <laughs> well, it's hard to believe, but we're almost at the end of the episode, and I haven't done a post-show edit. That just shows how perfect Andrew Downs really is. Being an Atlantic Canadian, anytime you get to drop a Rita McNeil reference or get to promote some of the maritime music, we always do. So check out our show description. You're going to find a link to Rita McNeil and Men of the Deep's Working Man. Now, back to the show. Well, since we're talking about Cape Breton culture and music, how many times have you seen the Rankin family live? Twice. They are in St. John's. Oh. <laughs> Just on the east side of Signal Hill. Yeah. Okay, then what's your favorite Rankin family song? Mole River Shuffle. Check out the show description. I'm going to put a link to a great Mole River Shuffle, even though it was recorded in Vancouver. I got to say, one of my favorite songs, I think, is The North Country. And I could... That's a good one. That's a good one, too. Since you're living in Cape Breton, have you ever got the chance to drive the Cabot Trail in completion? 
Yes. Uh, last summer, we had an opportunity to do it quite a bit, and tubing down the Marguerite River was the highlight of the trip. Something like 273 kilometers. It's just yeah. through massive terrains. You get to look out over the water. It's it's just phenomenal. So if you get the chance to ever head to Cape Breton, please do it. Talking Cabot Trail, have you ever got the chance to play the Cabot Lynx or those nice fancy golf courses they got there now? Uh, I can't afford to say those names, let alone the green fees there, so no. What are the green fees there, like 350 bucks a piece? That's in the off-season. Yeah, <laughs> the shoulder seasons. <laughs> yeah. Well, Cape Breton culture, do you own a kilt? I do not. Do you know the Downs Tartan? Like, uh, no. Yeah, it's not pretty. No. <laughs> oh, fair enough. I, you mean they don't sell them on every corner store, like kilts for sale? Uh, no, 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 no. But uh, a lot of the businesses here have Celtic in it, though. I always get a little Irish or Scottish culture when you're in Cape Breton. Now we're gonna talk culture, okay? 2020, we were. Supposed to host the Baseball Canada Senior National Championships in Cape Breton. Yes. Of course, didn't happen. Okay, wait one second. They were originally 2020. Okay. And then uh, they agreed uh, to all switch years with Red Deer. Okay. So Red Deer were going to host in 2020, and then Sydney agreed to take 2021. Fair enough. It's kind of all confused, but let's just say Sydney's probably gearing up in the next couple of years to host the Senior Championship if we get back to where we intend to. Yep. You got a crew of 15 umpires and supervisors in town. Where are you going to take them to eat? There's a place in North Sydney called the Black Spoon. The Black Spoon. What's it the specialty? Probably, you know, it's probably the best restaurant in uh, in Cape Breton. The food is just absolutely phenomenal and affordable. For umpires, that's really important. You wouldn't want to Especially see them spend their per diem. $65 a day per diem. <laughs> Oh, yeah, like they, they got the raise and they still don't want to spend any of it. Most of them want to take it home. Yeah. First rule of the per it's diem. Been, it's, spend it in the city you got it from. Thank you. Thank you. That is the first rule of the per diem. I'm glad that you are able to recognize that without any queuing. You're supposed to donate yeah. it back to the local economy, whether it's exactly. donating it through the 50-50, putting it into the local watering hole, or just giving it to the local concession. The money stays where you got it. Exactly. What's the specialty on that menu? The uh, the Cajun seafood pasta, I'm told, is <laughs> absolutely to die for. It's uh, my better half. It's when we go to the restaurant there, that's all she orders. Okay. And she wa- almost wants to take another one to go home so she could have it another meal later. Oh, it's nice. that good. What do you go for? Oh, I'm a steak guy. Oh, yeah. Steak. Okay, Andrew, moving on to another section, Leading Edge. We like to call this section Local Legends. Essentially, this is where it gives you the opportunity to tell us about people who are giving back to baseball or umpiring in your local community. There's a couple of names that come to mind. And um, one guy, one guy's out of Halifax. His name is Peter Foley. The other name is uh, Dermoth, Ken Hurtling. These two umpires, uh, after they stopped being on the field as an umpire, they took on a mentor role. Uh, these guys did all the, did a signing for years. They did all the stuff to make sure games got played, uh, helped teach clinics, organize clinics, did a lot of mentoring. And between the two of them, I think they probably had close to 70-plus uh, years of volunteerism. 
uh, within the umpiring community. Unfortunately, they these two gentlemen were supervising and mentoring games all last summer. And unfortunately, we lost Peter and Ken uh, over the winter. Uh, you know, life got caught up to them and uh, they passed on. Uh, the legend that these guys and the dedication and time that these uh, gentlemen have given to baseball umpiring in the province is uh, second to none. And uh, they'll be surely missed. So those are the first two names that come to my mind that are out, that were just outstanding people that uh, did a lot for their local baseball communities. It's hard to replace 70 years of volunteerism like that. These are the people that really give back to our communities and they are they will be missed. I've never had the opportunity to meet them, but I know that that type of individual, you can't replace that. Exactly. And then, of course, uh, throughout the my time here, uh, in Nova Scotia, you see the efforts of uh, Joel Rogers, uh, Ken Evans, uh, Blaine Gallant, Jody Frowley. There's a young umpire here in Cape Breton that's taken on a UIC role, is doing a great job. Uh, Mark Morrison, uh, Skylar Blanchett out of Hal- out of uh, Halifax, uh, Bryce Mason. You may have met Bryce. He's new in the national scene. He's doing a lot of uh, organizing clinics and stuff and taking on more of some admin roles. You know, these the umpiring in the province is uh, it's 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 going in a in a in a great direction. Uh, there's a lot of buy-in and a lot of commitment. The guys want to get better. It's you know, you go to Alberta or you, other provinces where you guys work a bunch of games that go out and have a, a camaraderie where they go have a beer and a and a few wings or whatever and sit there and talk about it. That's what the culture is now starting to become. That again, in uh, in the Halifax Dartmouth area. Where these guys, they're they're all friends. They hang out. They'll go work games. They want to get better. They give each other feedback. They'll go have a, a you know wings and beer and want to get better. And uh, we haven't had that in quite a while. And it's starting to come back around. And we're starting to see uh, when I get an opportunity to go uh, to the mainland <laughs> uh, <laughs> to supervise. Get to go uh, to Costco. Or get to, or, yeah, yeah, the Costco too. The five hour run to Costco. The five hour drive to Costco. I have, but. Uh, no, you get an opportunity to see and work. Sometimes they get to work some games with these guys. Yeah, it, it's in a, it's we're in a good place right now. The pro, our programs in a, is in a, is in a good place, and we've got some really good young umpires. Oh, another guy I forgot to mention, completely forgot about Alex Laurie. Yep, has one he worked the Can Am League for a couple of years, yes. and uh, finished his first uh, full season in the Short A League, and uh, he worked. Uh, uh, the Gulf, Gulf Coast, Coast League, League last year. Yes. Yeah. So when he came back after his first uh, full season in the Gulf Coast League, although it's a short season, I got to work the Nova Scotia Senior Playoffs with him, and he's 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 jumped so much, wow. hasn't he? He has. He he's he's better than me. I, there's no doubt in my mind. Like, like Alex, you know, not, I'm not saying I'm a great umpire. Like I'm okay. I'm good. Yes, don't get me wrong. I don't want to sound conceited, but he is just. <laughs> head and shoulders above now it's it's and it's phenomenal and i and i you know i know the covid's got him i i'm not sure where he's at or how his season's going to play out this year i think uh they told him to stay home this year to be honest but i'm not sure with them reorganizing my well, that's baseball it, the big, that, i think that's the big thing right now too right i mean you got government <laughs> yeah. regulations and you got the reorganization and restructure of minor league baseball which is going to yeah. affect a lot of umpires right now and yeah. it might the pathway might be a little different in the future. I'm not, I haven't talked to anybody that might know it, but if you think of it, like yeah. all these college wood bat leagues, that might be where you have to go work first before you'll get a crack at school to get a crack yeah. into something. So, yeah, 
right. And I, know, I haven't been really following it either. Other than I know that there's some changes, and yeah. uh, and I hope Alex gets an opportunity to go back because he's got uh, he's got the will, he's got the desire, he's got the tools, he's got the. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think he, you know, he's gonna be, uh, you know, he's gonna be successful. And then a few years ago, well, it's not a few years ago, but probably ten years ago, uh, we had another umpire here. He got the AAA, uh, fellow by the name of Troy Blades. I'm not sure if you heard oh, of Troy. Heard of Troy. Troy worked the AAA All Star game in his last year as a plate assignment. Okay. And uh, worked the AAA playoffs, and uh, he got uh, unfortunately, it was right around uh, ninety nine two thousand there. He got caught up in that. Uh, yeah. I think that's right around the end of uh, maybe it was 98, somewhere around there. That's where his uh, career ended. But he he worked 11, 10 or 11 years in the minors, Triple uh, I got to work. I got to work some games with uh, Troy when he came back uh, to Nova Scotia. Uh, he worked maybe a half a season. Yep. To be fair, he you know I'll be honest, like he'd worked Triple A All Star game and he's working in the Triple A World Series and you're coming back and working a, an yep. 18 U Triple A game on a Tuesday night. It's just not quite the same and. The fun, I think, it came out. the The game wasn't fun for for Troy anymore, but I the the five or six games I did get to work with him. It was just like wow, like I learned so much. Occasionally, I'll uh, we'll get a message to him every now and then, and you know he'll come out every now and then just to say hello or whatever. But pop into a clinic every now and then. He's still, uh, I think he's still. Yeah. Can't get him to go back. His kids are uh, heavily involved in the curling. Okay. And uh, his and they, his daughters have some success provincially here uh, in the local curling scene. And, of course, February and March are right off for me because I'm a big curling fan myself. So I'll sit there. I'll watch the Briar. <laughs> I watch the Scotties, and I'll watch the Briar. Then the games were on late last week, but I stayed up to watch the uh, the mixed doubles final with uh, Guzhu and Harrison winning. So, you know, big curling. So, World Championships coming up. That's where I am. That's my March Madness curling. <laughs> yeah, well, you and former guest Bob Sonder, I'm going to put it together out there. Bob's a huge curler, so you can uh, yeah. hit him up on the Facebook and enjoy it. One more thing talking Nova Scotia before we go. One yep. name that every time I think of Nova Scotia and think of an umpire's umpire and a guy that puts a smile to my face, Dennis Crotty. Hell yes, sir. <laughs> Dennis Crotty. Yeah, Dennis. Dennis uh, yeah, good guy. Yeah, uh, I meant to mention him earlier. Actually, you know, it's like I yeah, you, just... you name people and you forget. I'm like, oh, I forgot Dennis. <laughs> no, Dennis. Um, no. Yeah, Dennis. I'm part at the national level for a few years. Uh, I think he got to a midget. I think it was the highest or at 18 U. I think yep. that event. I think he came to Mary, he was in Miramichi, I think, that weekend in 13, and I think him and Ricky Viner came up. <laughs> I'm glad you dropped the Ricky Viner reference because I always appreciate Cuz, a Ricky yeah, Cuz. Hey, Cuz. Yeah, Cuz came up there, yeah. Cuz came up, yeah. and uh, yeah, and then Dennis, uh, assign, actually, he's still assigning uh, games in the, in Halifax area, so uh, yeah, another good, uh, another good guy. Funny, yeah. dry wit. Yep. Oh, what a dry sense of humor Dennis has. Yes, and you know what? We talk umpire, umpire, that's Dennis Crotty. And all these years, I still remember my first opportunity working with Dennis and how welcome he was. He'd come up to the Miramichi, and I'm just a young punk without a car, and he's picking me up my house to take me from field to field. So, you know what? I got great yep. memories, so thanks, Dennis. And he looked after me years later in Moncton. So, All right on. Appreciate that. Yep. Well, Andrew, this essentially wraps up this episode of The Leading Edge. I want to thank you for giving us your time and coming on and sharing with us a lot of your stories from over the years. One of the final things we like to do is give the guest 
the opportunity to part with what we call wise words of wisdom for up and coming umpires. So Andrew Downs, what is your wise words of wisdom? Oh my, I had, an, I had a basketball referee assigner tell me many years ago that the cream eventually rises to the top of the cup. So what I took from that statement was basically be patient, be learn, your time will come. Always want to be, always work hard, listen, be open to feedback, implement the feedback and work smarter, not harder. Well, that concludes this episode of The Leading Edge, where we talk with umpires about umpiring and look to cover topics on both sides of the plate. Join us on our next episode, where we bring on a man that's been a level four Baseball Canada umpire since 1995, has worked 14 Baseball Canada National Championships and three international events, is currently waiting to be inducted into the Saskatchewan Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum, and a guy that's not scared to fight you for the last pierogi, Elmer Jerkovitz. But before you go, we would like to leave you with this. There's a common rule myth that people believe you must always return the ball to the pitcher before you can make an appeal. That's like saying you must always ask your significant other before you make a purchase. While it might seem traditional, you don't have to do it. Take care, everybody, and stay safe. Thank you.